You read a poll and you're supposed to do this message to this group of people. The turnout's got to be on the on the modeling between 20 and 80, persuasion this, liberal. And I'm like, you've just mathematically eliminated half of the universe that nobody's going to talk to now. And if we would just go have a conversation, it would be worth the value to get them to show up. And they mm -hmm. don't never want to hear that because mathematically, it's not how the system is supposed to work. Sure. Because, you know, polling's never wrong. I mean, we've <laughs> seen that. Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast live stream, the very first podcast of 2021, the year in which everything's going to be great, okay? COVID is disappearing, border walls are crumbling, everyone will find their way around the female genitalia. It's going to just be orgasm city. That's what I, that's, that's a really sexy term that I use, orgasm city. If you ever want to pick anyone up. Orgasm City. Hey, hey, babe, next stop, Orgasm City. Um, uh, we're going to have to demonetize this immediately. Uh, what is going on? Thank you so much for being here on YouTube and on Twitch. Make sure you are clicking all the buttons, pulling all the bells and whistles. If you're listening as a podcast, which by the way, this is a podcast, you can listen after the fact. Um, sometimes I edit myself to sound smarter. Mostly I'm too lazy. Um, but give this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it. Uh, that really helps people discover this. Uh, we are in a momentous week, okay? The 117th Congress uh, was just sworn in. Many members of the uh, ever-growing squad joined that Congress and joined the squad. Uh, we're on the cusp of a, a runoff election in Georgia. Hugely important. Only a couple days left. Um we're also on the cusp of an attempted coup. That might happen. You never know. You just, you know, it's fun. We're going to miss him when he's gone, you guys. We're going to somehow find a way to miss him. Um, we are in, it's like, ugh, I feel like we're, uh, we're in labor. I feel like this entire lame duck session has just been a very long labor. And I'm just like, cut out the baby. Uh that's what moms say, you know, or like the just the epidural's not working. It's painful is what I'm trying to say. Um, we have big news for this podcast, which is that we have a Patreon, ladies and gentlemen. There is a direct way to support this podcast. Boo, boo, boo. Um, <laughs> yes, I did it. I bit the bullet. Uh, we have a Patreon. And uh, that is because um, we're just like not safe for the regular like production companies. You know, like nobody wants to touch us, you know, because we're we're like bad boys. You know what I mean? We're just like we're out there. And also I haven't gotten enough offers. The point is this. Um, Mama's going on the hunt for money. However, until that time, I rely on you all to help this podcast be sustainable, to support all of the people that work on it to support me, to support some of the uh, the comedians who come on, the 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 independent voice of left comedy and insane and inane comedic takes on this political situation. That's that's where you guys come in. And so we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bituation room. You can become a patron. You will get access to bonus content. And mind you, the more 
patrons I get, the more bonus content I promise I will deliver because um, it'll be that much easier and more sustainable for me. Um, you can be part of the Franny Pack. You can be part of the Franny Stands. You can be part of the Orchada Armada. You could be part of my innermost cabal if you uh, are one of the high rollers. But thank you so much. We've already got a handful of patrons. So thank you to Paolo T, who was the first patron ever. Uh, Dino O, Jenny H, Ben J, Katrina B, Juan V. You guys are mwah, so wonderful. Blazing this trail. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. Now, if that's too much for you and you're like, nah, I want to stick with the Venmo and the Cash App, you're more than welcome to tip the show. TBR-Live on Venmo. TBR-Live on Cash App. Thank you to anyone who's given. But a shout out to the big tippers. 20 bucks or more. Robert P. Michael A. Bevan C. Tomoko H. Paolo T. Again, up in the mix. Paolo. Megan Air Hooray. Sorry. Uh, Gene C, Sarah W, thank you guys all so much. That really means so much uh, to me, to to the folks who put this podcast together. Um, we have such a good show for you today. I, I'm sorry that I didn't mention this earlier, but Chuck Rocha is here, y'all. Uh, he worked on both Bernie campaigns. He specializes in the Latino vote, you know, the monolithic unilateral one, you know, the one vote that everyone has to get. No, Chuck Roach is here. We're going to be talking about the Bernie campaign. We're going to be talking about what to expect going forward with Republicans like these and centrists like Biden. Uh, Brandy Posey is here, comedian and good friend here out in LA. She's a good friend now. She's like, really? Don't call me. And I'm like, you know, I will. Uh, but no, she's here. We're going to break down the news. Uh, again, the attempted coups, the, uh, uh, the maskless celebrations. Um, but hey guys, let's just start off with what I'm bitching about. Just a little something. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I can't deal with a lot of the uh the the outrage culture. And I think we leftists were very good at being outraged. Uh and whether or not there are real people behind the outrage, uh, I don't know. That's that's not for me to say. But there's a lot of outrage around Pelosi. And specifically outrage at the squad for, yes, voting for Pelosi for speaker. And I want to just name that rage and temper it with a little perspective and some thoughts. Okay. Number one, if you haven't heard, Pelosi was uh, reelected to be House Majority Leader and House Speaker. Um now, she has promised this is her last two years in office because the last time she was voted in as speaker was kind of a squeaker, a speaker. She's, a, she's not a speaker. She's a squeaker. Um, right. And so she said, all right, only two more years if she gets reelected. Let's hold her to that. But I am bitching about the idea that like anyone who voted for her is a traitor, is like is a fraud, is a sellout, blah, 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 blah. I think we need to, to pull back and understand what went on and what happened uh, exactly. And I'll couch that by just saying I fucking hate Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> OK, like I think she is a, a see you next Tuesday. She is a perfect example of a see you next Tuesday. Ask your dad or mom what that means. Perfectly. And sometimes she can be a see you next Tuesday on the side of good, but mostly she can be a see you next Tuesday on the side of just the status quo. Um, she wields way too much power. She has 
stood beside warmongers like George W. Bush. She's overseen huge losses in the House in 2008 uh, and in and this year. Um, she has been disrespectful of squad members. She has been dismissive of a Green New Deal. She's been dismissive of Medicare for All. Every time you want to push something with Nancy Pelosi, she's like, I tried that when I was 18 and then I found money. Like that's her answer to everything. So obviously status quo, you know, garbage that needs to be ousted and pushed out, right? I will say she's had some see you next Tuesday moments that have helped us, right? The impeachment of Trump, which by the way, she did not want to do, I think was a bright point. Um, I also think that the most recent attempt to get the American people $2,000 in direct payments, um, which she whipped the house into passing, including Republicans and laid it on the doorstep of Mitch McConnell. And we'll get into what he did later with that. That was thanks to her, right? So it's this mafioso, but also sometimes can win in our favor. Now, here's the thing. She had to get a majority of votes in order to continue being the House Majority Leader. Otherwise, it would have gone to Kevin McCarthy. It would have gone to a Republican. And it was a, if last vote was a squeaker, this was an incredible squeaker. We're talking about two 216 votes to 209 votes. And guess who bailed on her? Moderate centrist Democrats. Because she has a lot of opposition from the right wing of the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, he got all 209 Republican votes because fascism really sticks to their own. I mean, loyalty and fascism work really well. Now, a lot of the squad threw their support, well, all the squad threw their support behind Pelosi in this vote. And I know that's disappointing, but think about if they hadn't, it could have thrown the entire thing out of the Democrats' court. But now that it's in their court, and they basically were like, look, we stood beside you when moderate Democrats, the ones who are against Medicare for all, the ones who are against all of the things that we're trying to push, they left you, but we stood beside you. I think that's a point of leverage. I think that's a point of power. She can't so easily ignore the quote unquote green dream as she called the Green New Deal once, right? So I would be less knee jerk about whether or not this was a bad vote. I will also say there was no progressive alternative. Like to be honest, let's be real. If there was a progressive alternative, if, you know, I don't know, uh, if, if Pramila Jayapal had been up for speaker, Oh, hell yeah. Like, and there were enough votes to get her passed. Fuck yeah. Like go with that. But there's no progressive speaker that's like mounting a front to Pelosi, nor is there really any alternative. So it's like, I guess. So what I'm saying is let's hold our rage for the moment she decides she wants to keep running in two years <laughs> because she promised she would leave. Uh, and let's just, you know, Make sure that she actually uh, is pressured by the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which gave her this win. So that is my that is what I'm bitching about. I'm bitching about all this black and whiteness. Let's hold our slow our roll, calm ourselves down a little bit. But still, uh, Pelosi got to go along with many other uh, aging centrist Democrats. And with that.
I would like to bring in my guest comic for the hour. She's a stand-up who's been featured on Comedy Central, MTV, and E. Her album, Opinion Cave, debuted at number 12 on the Billboard Comedy, and number one on iTunes is available right now, Opinion Cave. Uh, you can also listen to her each week on her podcast, Lady to Lady. Please welcome Brandy Posey. Hey. Good to see you. Thank you for getting all of my thoughts about Pelosi done so succinctly. I was just sitting here snapping and nodding, just like, I don't know if she can see me in the backstage or not, but. <laughs> it's hard. It's just the, you know, yeah. the internet and nuance don't work. Yeah. It's almost like 280 characters isn't enough to get a across like a really complex point in a single sure. A tweet not gonna happen well and not before being called a sellout because that's real short you know well, of course i mean here's the thing you call people a sellout you're just selling, selling me that you're old like gen x the sellouts are like gen x shit it's time for the, we're in zoomer land now you know what i mean <laughs> you know what's so funny i was just having this conversation with uh matt that like like sellout is no longer this like weird term like that yeah. most people who are you're like oh congratulations you can you can eat and and like make rent oh my god you know like you got out of the gig economy you did it you did it an app doesn't own your ass forever now oh my god <laughs> absolutely oh uh, yeah. um well other than the lack of nuance and the fact yeah. that twitter really needs to just turn into facebook and allow us to post long thoughts uh please Three. don't <laughs> screens only only manifestos uh really Absolutely. um uh which is just parlor i'm sure they allow for manifestos yeah, sure. over on that place but brandy what are you bitching about and people in the comments if you've been weighing in uh let me know what are you guys bitching about well i've been bitching about uh i live in la here with you so you've seen this and i'm hoping that it went international news um uh sean fuked was this uh this preacher that came down here over the weekend with his maskless hordes and did a bunch of acoustic concerts which that alone if i stopped there is enough but he did a right. bunch of like christian acoustic concerts maskless and acoustic yes. but yes keep going in christian in maskless acoustic okay we've got three exactly. there in skid row and echo park two of the areas of la where our houseless neighbors are congregating more than anywhere else and it's Here's the thing. The churches need to, they've needed to lose their tax exempt status forever now, especially at the beginning of this where they got money uh, that they shouldn't, they got tax paper money, even though they haven't paid taxes in the history of the world. The Catholic church got billions of dollars. Um, but now like they're literally just terrorist organizations. Um, the amount of spread that is happening because of religious ceremonies and services. Yes. I mean, I, here's the thing. There's so many people that are that believe in God when they die, their God's going to be like, not like this, though. <laughs> That's not what they're about. You're the, terrorizing you know, homeless people. It's it, right. It's, so he yeah. rolls up with his because he's got a huge base, like followers, huge, huge, and brought them to Skid Row. Yeah, a place that also all already struggles in like gaining mm -hmm. safe and sanitary access to like mm -hmm. you know whatever bathrooms, soap, it, anything. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a ton of uh, local pastors and preachers that work specifically with that community already who were like, please do not come here. We do not want you. And it's like, you know, what would Jesus do? Would he just go down into the hordes of people and just give them a plague? Um, no, that was his dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his dad was really, he did fall far from the tree, I think. Yeah, absolutely. To believe, But he, 
like Jesus definitely didn't like roll up and be like, have you guys heard stairway to heaven, but on my uke, you know? And like, yeah, exactly. What if I change the word to some Hanson songs and they make it about Jesus or what? He's got that vibe. He looks like if the Hansons had a Ringo, like that's what this guy looks like. <laughs> Such a loser. It's like, you ugh. know, the first congressperson who was a congressperson elect died this week. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke uh, Letlow was his name, I believe. And like, one of the articles says like, oh, well, his he was a God fearing man. I'm like, well, not that scared. I mean, not, not much. Well, it's like that parable. of enough. It's the parable of like the guy and the flood is coming and he's like, oh, God will protect me. And then a pet helicopter comes down. And he's like, no, no, God will save me. And then like a boat comes up and he's like, no, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. And then he yeah. drowns and he goes to heaven and God's like, I sent a helicopter. I sent a boat. What do you want to ha happen here? And it's like, that's. Like, they're all just like, God's going to protect me from COVID. And he's like, yeah, God made masks, you fucking idiots. Yep, that's no. exactly right. Like, if you can't, like, you know, I live in LA, I'm spiritual, whatever. But it's like, if you can't, like, keep what you believe in your heart, then you don't believe anything in the first place. It's just your ego out in the streets. Like, get ego out of here. Streets, subjecting people to acoustic renditions of, oh, I don't know, hymns. Just not good. If you're an actual Christian and you actually believe the word of Jesus, you should be condemning these people and going down with masks. You should be spraying them in the face like they're a dog that did something wrong. This is my, when my dog looks like he's going to like hump the couch or something. He gets sprayed with this. This is what I want Christians to do. I want Christians to have a squirt bottle. That's Just what spray happens. Them. Yeah, if you see, that'd be the best anti mask like better than filming an anti-masker, just squirting them with a water bottle. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm more disrespectful. Oh, I think I truly believe that's what we all need to be doing from now on. I'm just going to carry this with me and I'm going to get a holster for a water bottle that I can just be like, no, no, where's your mask? Where's your mask? Go back to your car. Go back to your car. Nope. Get off the bulked goods. Uh-uh. No. Nope. no. Off I'm the toilet paper. Treating all these people like coyotes and bad dogs. That's what happens from now on. Uh -uh, I'm clapping their faces and squirting like, with their bodies. Like, shh, shh, do you know no. the dog? The dog sound. Which really, what? How do dogs all know that that's the bad sound? Um, it's in a good way. It does. Oh, Brandy, let's get into this week. All right. Um, we just run down the most important things. If you guys were not paying attention, if anyone wasn't, good for you. Maybe you had an actual New Year's. Maybe you meditated, journaled. Uh, you know, held your crystals like I did. I was like, what am I supposed to do with them? I uh, just like I never hold them sometimes. I don't know. Hold, right? Yeah. I never know. I'm like, abracadabra. I haven't actually one time I tried. Um, but th this is <laughs> we fall, we fall. Oh, you don't know, you don't want to know the kinds of weird prayers I've said to the crystals that I'm like, I don't know if you even do this, but. Yeah. <laughs> really need uh, okay anyway we're moving on to the week where yeah. hey this was the week where despite it being a new year the old plan of trying to overturn a democratic election rolled on from within the government itself uh proving that the republican party is the coronavirus of democracy and we're still marching for a cure yeah. um this week, 12 Senate Republicans led by a uh, commander in chief, Ted Cruz, will show just how far they can climb up Trump's asshole and manage and massage his prostate uh, by voting to reject President-elect Biden's victory when Congress meets to formally certify the electoral vote college votes on Wednesday. The only thing 
sadder than this, than Republicans trying to overturn the election, is Biden believing he can still work with them. I know. Like, like it's if you think that a guy who signed the Violence Against Women Act would like be able to spot an abusive relationship. But I he, mean, he yeah, he just signed it. It's not like he read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This is true. Yeah, he, he got back to uh, to sniffing hair, etc. Uh, yeah, after exactly. That. Exactly. Well, he's. I mean, honestly, this is the guy that still believes that John McCain is. It's like still the party of John McCain, and it's like, no, buddy, it hasn't been that since John McCain picked Sarah Palin. Before that, even Before you know, that. they've been acting. They, it's it's more the religion stuff that I was talking about. They believe they have a mandate from God, and that usurps what they believe in democracy not all you know not all of republicans hashtag not all republicans but sure. enough uh this group especially it's like can you ted cruz donald trump said that his wife was ugly right yes. he like said that his dad was the what's mccall it the, the zodiac killer yeah the zodiac killer it's like you're how little respect for yourself do you have I'm saying he, he, look, I don't use this word a lot. I think it's yeah. like, I hate appropriating right wing alt right terms mm -hmm. like the word cuck, but like, he's man, a, Ted Cruz a is a cuck. God yeah. damn it. Yeah, he's like, a cuck. Just the most unappealing thing to not even be able to stand up for your wife and like, yeah. just again, be like a hermit crab up Trump's ass, like, like just chilling in there. Like, what is, what is Ted Cruz going to get? Like, what does he hope to get? Um, any of the shine from like MAGA folks? No, he's not. He's not no, crazy enough for them. Yeah. No, they hate him. No, he's not. I think maybe he's trying to make a play in that direction, but it's like, what are you going to be a reporter on the new Trump News Network or something? You're not going to get that, dude. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You're too ugly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to explain the process if you guys don't know. So Wednesday is when. Um, I'm reading from the New York Times, electoral results from all 50 states will be carried into the House chamber inside two bound mahogany boxes that date from the 19th century. Representatives of the newly sworn in House and Senate called tellers for the occasion will pull them pull them out one by one to determine whether each quote seems to be regular in form and authentic and present them to the president of the Senate, in this case, Mr. Pence, for inspection and approval. Uh, then they will place their testicles inside the boxes and present back to the vice president who will gift them to the president himself. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's in the Constitution. That's what happens. It, it uh, is right there. We've all read that part. And that is why we haven't had a female president. There's no testicles to put in a box. Exactly. Um, it's really just the dick in the box uh, from <laughs> SNL. Uh, okay, so this is really just, my question is, I don't even think there's a vote necessarily. It's just a like one by one different senators pull out the, okay, Arizona, you know, blank number of electoral votes for Biden and for Trump. And, and then are like, hmm, I don't think so. And then they all get to deliberate on it. And if apparently, if, which is frightening to think about, Brandy, if the House was Republican owned or controlled at this point, I don't think Biden would be fucking president because basically yeah. both the Senate and the House have to say there was enough irregularity or it wasn't like these votes aren't valid and yeah. to basically nullify an election. I just... At what point does the word treason mean anything in our culture? Yeah, I just don't. 
you know, it's like if you're getting in the way of the democratic process, as outraged as people were about all the Russia stuff, yeah. you know, this is coming from inside the house, y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. No. And, and like, I, well, the worst part about Biden being like, we could work with him is that, do we just pretend like everything's normal? Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's like a bad horror movie where it was like, Hey, you just tried to kill me. But I guess we're pretending like we're on the same team now, you know, like everything's like, totally fine. It's like, no, it's not. You did this thing and there's no taking it back because right. I know this about you forever and I'll never trust you again. And because here's the thing, shame on, shame on, shame on, shame on you if you do it the first time. Shame on me if I go with it again. And exactly. shame on you, Biden, right yeah. now. Absolutely exactly. not. Fool me can't get fooled again, as our, as George W. Bush once said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> this Bush related wouldn't even trust these guys. <laughs> Wait, what? But, oh, no. Bush wouldn't even trust these guys. He could smell this shit coming. Oh my god. The number of Republicans for Biden. I'm just like, okay, guys. All right. Stop, stop yeah. making me hate this Democratic Party and incoming <laughs> president before he's even taken office. Um the, related to this, uh, I'm sure everyone saw this was the week where the day where the Washington Post released tapes of President Trump putting the squeeze on Georgia Attorney General Brad Raffensperger to hand him the election. Um I just want to play y'all a clip from apparently which was an, an hour long phone call. Take a listen. You should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. You know what they did, and you're not reporting it. That's a. You know, that's a criminal. That's a criminal offense. And and you know you can't let that happen. I just want to find uh, eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes, which is one more than we have. Because we won the state. I love how, first of all, it really sounds like he's on speaker. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Like, and like yeah. Giuliani's over here and he's like, I just, uh, I just want to find uh, 11,000, 11,871 vote, whatever he said, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. like that one time. And then like, if you could just. You know, like where where the fuck is Brad Raffensperger supposed to find these votes? Like, what do you? Yeah, like, here's the thing: you didn't get them, so you can't find them. That's yeah. Like Trump thinks this is like finding his next bride. You know, it's like oh, yeah, well, yeah. you can just order them from an Eastern European catalog. They have them all there. The bride votes, bride vote. You know, just get them. Like what get, the get Galen on the on the line. She knows where to find people. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the best votes. I mean, yeah. it is, it's so, um, I think there's even a little bit of like, even for people who hate and know Trump is a total phony, um, there's like a little question mark of like, hey, maybe in private, yeah. he's minimally um, more charming or yeah. um, in, in manipulative, but in a like, in a like a kind of a covert way, like a, an actual manipulative way, not like just an open mob boss being like, yeah, it would yeah. be a same if you were, you know, mm-hmm. a criminal for not helping me, a criminal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like listening to him on the phone. You can hear him like looking at himself in the mirror. Like that's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like listening to him talk like that. It, I I also assume that he has a a suit that looks like a, a track suit. You know what I mean? Like a regular suit with track suit insignia on it, and like that's what he's wearing 
yes. when he sees himself. He just has that look. Ugh, oh, God. He's just, it's just so pathetic because it's like it's mob guys aren't that smart. Sorry if there's any mob guys listening, but like he makes it. He yeah, makes apologies to all the fan mob guys out there. The fan mob and guys gal. out there and gals. Yeah, don't worry. Um, you know they don't really respect you or give you positions. That's fine, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, he makes them sound like Shakespeare. It's insane. It's like this is there's no subtext to it. It's like just, you appreciate the writing of something like The Sopranos, you know, <laughs> or Godfather or, you know, Goodfellas. You're just like, oh, wow. Like there's a there's an art to actually putting the squeeze on someone, not just like, well, uh, you know, I just need to find them. Oh, you're a Republican. How wow, why I oughta, you know. I know. Well, it's, so it's interesting. I wonder if does he is he just being fed all this information by his aides and that's, does he truly believe it or does he believe that it's bullshit and he is pushing like, which, which one is it? You right. know, that's what I wonder. I think he's just testing his limits. Like he's always done. He tests his limits with people. He tests their loyalty. Are they going to say, uh, down is up. Um, mm -hmm. when up is down. Yeah. yeah or something exactly. like this. Two plus two equals five mm -hmm. or however, or potato. Uh, he uses <laughs> those rings and nobody has to kiss him anymore. It's going to be, it's going to be weird for him. I'm excited to see. We're excited, but also like, you know, I'm excited like this <laughs> for whatever comes next. Yes, absolutely. A lot of rallies. That's definitely more super spreader events. We'll get to them. Um, but moving on, this was the week where Mitch McConnell uh, pretty much single-handedly blocked Americans from getting $2,000 of much needed relief money. And in response, someone graffitied his home. And writing on his front door, where's my money? Mm -hmm. um, the only thing is that they misspelled where and they just wrote W-E-R-E. -E, so it's just where's my money? And let me let me just say, Mitch, uh, you reap what you sow, okay? If you destroy the public sector and public education yeah. and sell it for profit, expect the mobs that take you down to be uneducated, all right? You will not get a trial because this mob thinks that Nuremberg was what the Titanic hit in the year 1997. Like, absolutely. No idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, frankly, should just be happy that his house was uh, uh, graffitied. Like, that's tame compared to what generations past actually happened to you. And uh, the person out there that actually did the graffitiing, you know, it's fine. I want you to go back to school. Um, but, you know, whatever. You'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, keep, keep going back. Keep going back, you know, spray paint his waddle next time. I'd like to see just <laughs> just write just a dollar bill sign just right drive here. By. Yeah. And if he keeps uh, washing it off, I don't know, maybe try a knife. Uh, just kidding. Trying to even get him a, a, yeah. okay. Imagine trying to like hold him the waddle still enough to like actually yeah. like tattoo or write something on it. I'd like to flick it. Just yeah, yeah, flick it. That's it. If you're gonna pay everybody six hundred dollars, you should get us all a chance to like flick your waddle for free at the very totally, least. Totally, totally. Yeah, hey, we'll settle for six hundred, but let me let me flick the wad. Yeah, I'll say fourteen hundred dollars to every American. Uh, that's we would pay the government that to flick his waddle. So that's <laughs> that's what I'll say is happening. If you just let us get in there and just get in there a little bit, I just want to see all. Oh, flick his flick, waddle. Flick his waddle is the name of this episode. Obviously, there's always <laughs> one one standout phrase. Um, Nancy <laughs> Pelosi also got her home vandalized. If you followed this in the wealthy San Francisco suburb of Pacific Heights, mm -hmm. as the saying goes, Pacific Heights for specific whites. Um, vandals put a 
fake pig's head with blood on her driveway and then graffitied among other things or tagged UBI on her garage door. And let me just say, I knew this was coming. Like oh, I yeah. knew Yang Gang was going to become <laughs> an official gang. Yep. And now we have to start profiling people who show too much of an interest in math. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I have a proposal. Yang gang, if you could, since you're a gang now, if you could join with the juggalos who are also a gang, I think you guys could learn a little bit from each other. You know, teach them about savings, savings accounts and math. And you know what? They'll teach you how to get a little bit dirty because you probably could stand to be. <laughs> it was just such a weird display like i'm not sure if it was real i guess it was real but it just it was it yeah. was some art students did that shit you know what i mean there's enough the the, the pig's head is like all right we've yeah. all in we, this economy who's it. got who's got money for a fake pig pig's head and to leave it too yeah exactly just take the photo and get out um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but the handwriting was very nice really nice taggers handwriting i will say yeah. Like actual, like good loops, solid mm -hmm. uh, spray, like good control over the can, you know? Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. I, 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 next time somebody graffitis their house, which I doubt this is the last time, um, <laughs> if you could bring like a monolith that and then graffiti on that maybe next to it, because then you'll, you'll get even more news coverage if you bring back like, a, <laughs> you know, that would be great. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll, you'll trigger a lot of Christians. Yes. Uh, yeah. For sure. All right. Yeah. I have to mention this because we got a lot of viewers from the UK and shout out to all of them. And let me just preface this by saying I'm fairly ignorant on the issue and want to di dig deeper. But yeah. this was the week where after four years of negotiations, Boris Johnson, a man who has yet to figure out his hair, somehow figured out Brexit. And there's going to be a lot of details to work out and bureaucracy and red tape in a move that might actually undo the UK altogether since neither Northern Ireland or Scotland are happy about it. But maybe I'm just oversimplifying it because like, I, I, but for me, this feels like the longest way to go just to keep brown people out of your country. Like yeah. this is the most British xenophobic thing, like xenophobia, yeah. like, like, they don't want to be openly anti-immigrant. They're just like bumbling around like, well, <laughs> well it's about uh, sovereignty and you know, where we have to um, uh, 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 feel uh, as if um, um, um. you're just like, just say you don't want immigrants. Yeah, yeah it's fine to say that. Like this would have all easier if they had just been like, yeah, no, just no immigration. But trade, yeah. yes, immigration, no. Brits are the they do passive aggressiveness in a way that nobody else can touch. Like they <laughs> destroyed their country just so they didn't have to say, not you. <laughs> like that's fully what they did. Yeah. Um, and, ugh. and which is, and I just want to say like, it is fascinating to me. The EU is fascinating to me as a concept. It's like, if you think about it beyond, it's got neoliberal capitalism for sure. It's got like yeah. market consolidation and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that way, I'm like dubious. But at the same time, it did what things like NAFTA have never considered doing, which is like we put markets and people at the same level. So pe mm -hmm. markets cross borders, corporations cross borders. Mm -hmm. So can people. That's fine. Like, can you imagine if NAFTA were like, oh, yeah, between Mexico, Canada and the U.S., free free passage whenever. 
Fucking never, never. We would rescind that in a heartbeat. We're such a racist country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, like, in a way, I get, like, I I don't expect the UK to be on board with it because I see how, like, actually kind of forward thinking it is. But also, it's so funny that they had to, like, go through this whole rigmarole of just, again, protecting trade so they could get to the real issue that bothered them, which was like immigrants from Syria or wherever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like Brexit is such a bad idea that it's almost ruined the British accent for me. <laughs> Where I'm like, they used to believe like, oh, when you hear one, you're like, oh, they're so posh and worked. They they sound so educated. And now you're like, oh, oh no, you're just, you're just us with a better accent. That's all it is. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Boris Johnson is your Trump. That's fine. <laughs> right. You, you just, just had pronounce all your vowels cool yeah exactly you stabbed jeremy corbett in the back the same way we did with bernie great awesome yeah we're this we're the same i don't think that you're hot anymore and guess what you really needed that accent because your teeth suck and now toothpaste is going to cost even more i don't think is that part of brexit probably it definitely should be it absolutely should be uh and finally this was the week where The Trumps held a 500-person maskless New Year's Eve party at Mar-a-Lago, complete with performers like Vanilla Ice, who I would call the perfect white supremacy C-list celebrity. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. In uh, in these videos, you could see Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, and Rudy Giuliani dancing, proving that, like, let me just show this. Let me just show this to you and just yeah, sure and just that. explain how I'm feeling about all this. Here is the moment. This is Don Trump's Jun- Don Trump Jr.'s birthday as well. Um where Jr. went live on the festivities. <laughs> god he's such a loser (laughs) like they it's bad enough to be run by crooks right now but the fact that they're the corniest crooks just just the the wackiest crooks i'm sorry if that makes me sound corny but like trump the trumps are like hitler in a von dutch hat a shrug and jeggings trying to make fetch happen oh like for sure like is I don't get this. I don't get like, is the, is it cool now to be anti-cool Brandy? Is that like, I think, I just don't even think they know what cool is. It's like, he knows that he would look bad in skinny jeans. So he's just leaning into this weird eighties kind. I don't, I mean, you know what these people do to steaks. Like they're, (laughs) (laughs) that's their entire vibe as people. They're just like, well done steaks and ketchup. Like they're just tasteless. It's awful. (laughs) Literally. Yeah, I I kept waiting for like the Ninja Turtles to show up behind uh, Vanilla Ice and just beat the shit out of everybody. (laughs) But a girl can dream. Uh (laughs) They like try and get a high five and just get the ass kicked out of them. Uh, Exactly. I can't speak. I would love I would love to watch Donatello beat the shit out of Rudy Giuliani. I I kind of need that. That's a good that's good TV right there. Imagine the content. (laughs) absolutely i think that you found his perfect match too because he is sort of like a weird 90s villain and so Mm -hmm. getting donatello 
Which one was he? Did he whatever he had? The bow staff. He's the purple mask oh, bow staff one. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's the one yeah. that believed in science the most because he like did all the gadgets. So I feel like he especially would be uh, distraught at the Trump organization. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect end to this like corny '90s presidency is just for the whole team to get their ass kicked by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, the mean, live one, not the cartoon, like the live. Yes. Oh costume. yeah, no, the horrifying costumes in person. <laughs> Yeah, made of rubber with an underpaid actor inside. Because guess what? That actor only got $600, so they're furious. So <laughs> take them out. Hell yeah. Um, all right, well, let's bring into this this room with which to bit, bitch. The president of Solidarity Strategies, a 100% minority-owned and operated political consulting firm dedicated to progressive politics, as well as Nuestro PAC, which works to mobilize and turn out Latinx voters. His book, Tio Bernie, is a behind-the-scenes look at many Latinos who worked and volunteered for the 2020 Bernie Sanders campaign. Please welcome Mr. Chuck Rocha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, we're comics, so we gotta give you, like, the comedy entrance. You, like, this is yeah. when you, like, What's your walk-in song, Chuck? If you had to like, have a song to like run or walk into, it's easy. ACDC Thunderstruck. Hey, ooh! <laughs> did you see how? Did you see how long it took me to answer that? Us men—that's all we do—is we sit around and fantasize about what our walk-up song would be. That's what you call toxic masculinity on steroids. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, I don't know. I don't want to alienate everyone, but like, now, Lil Kim, how many licks does it take? You know. Like <laughs> you um, know, when I was back when I was a single man, that was a question on the first date to a woman. Like, what would be your walk-up song if you picked a song to walk up to bat? What would you want people? What best song describes right. you? <laughs> and so, favorite. your current partner, what's what's their answer? Oh my God, she is such a 70s babe like me. It would probably be some old like Luther Vandross. That's why we are in love. Baby, baby. Yes. I want to pick your brain. We've talked multiple times. Um, now we're on the other side of the election. Now we're staring down this again, this bizarre, pitiful attempt to overturn the results and basically nullify everyone's vote. Um, what do you make of this? And especially some of the states that they're looking at. So they're looking at Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And I feel like the overlap here on the states that had a huge Latino voter turnout and like in which Latinos made the difference for Biden, like there's a reason that they're mad about these states. Um, what, what's just your reaction to this attempt? Well, I think that it's asinine like everybody else thinks it is. But I think to your point, I think they're doing it for a reason. And another great point was that Latinos did make a huge difference in those states. Was Latino population and participation through the roof for down ballot Democrats? No, it was horrible. But for Donald Trump, and for Joe Biden, it was good, especially in Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, and the places that you talked about. And I think right now, Democrats and Republicans are both doing a reflection on this. And this is the way Republicans deal with that reflection is we're going to fight. This ain't over. All the shit that you heard, like this is we're going down to the wall, like all of the things like this is yeah. what they're doing. While Democrats are sitting back, figuring out, clutching our pearls like, oh, my God, what are we going to tell the Latinos? Like, it's just a thing that's <laughs> happening out there right now. But I think it's all on purpose. Sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are in agreement that it's not even 
they're, it's not even partisan anymore. They just actually are, are like mask off. Like we don't believe in democracy. Like it's fine yeah. for us to do this because we believe in minority rule anyway. Like m actual like white male straight landowning mm -hmm. like minority rule that kind of minority rule. Um, and I mean I I guess oh God this is my thing. I I think when we talk about Latino voters, I'm super curious. Like, do you think the Republican Party will ever have that moment where they take the advice that they were given those so many years ago? I think it was 2012 or eight or whenever, where it was like, you need to actually reach out to this group of Americans. Can they walk back the MAGA moment for in the mind of many Latino vo voters? And I know it's not a monolith, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, the misconception is that Donald Trump didn't do that. And he actually spent more money than any Republican in Spanish talking to Latinos, but it was just in a couple of states. And it really cost Joe Biden because he got a later start. And I don't mean to get way down in the weeds on this thing, but this is what I do. I don't do comedy. I'm obviously not that charming. <laughs> I do political campaigns for a living. I'm a practitioner. This is Very what charming. I do. So at the end of June, Donald Trump goes up in Arizona and Florida in Spanish four weeks before Joe Biden with just campaign commercials that talked about how bad Joe Biden was and that he was a socialist, nothing about anything that Donald Trump had done for the community. But because he was doing this outreach, it did help his numbers and he shaved off points. You saw what happened in Miami Dade. But, and then Joe Biden goes up on TV in Spanish and he stays up and he's trying to talk to the community and we can have arguments and talk about how good or not good that was. Absolutely, all of those things. But down ballot, there was really no communication going on. And Republicans would be so smart because I've been telling people my entire career, my name is Chuck Rocha. I sound like an old white man when I talk and I'm in the same voter file as Latino as the Spanish dominant Miami Cuban who hates all Democrats, but on the voter file, we're all Latinos and all the right. democratic strategists thinks they can have somebody show up with churros and talk about mariachi bands and listen to Tex-Mex and it's going to get us all. And we've just messed it up so much so often that we are a persuadable universe of voters where folks think yeah. because we are one shade from black that we're going to act like a black voter because we're a person of color. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of our younger Latinos do act like that and we're more woke and we understand social justice and criminal justice and how we've been screwed over. But what mm -hmm. you we just haven't been here that long. We're not a base Democratic vote. The average age of a Latino in America is only 26 years old. And so we act like a lot of 26 year old white kids because we went to school with them. That's mm -hmm. this is how we actually get better at what we're doing when we realize those basic shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and it is the future of. I mean, really any party that actually attempts to get out those voters. Um, one thing that I've heard you say a lot is, you know, there is no real magic trick to ruin the Latino vote, but really just giving Latino voters the same attention as white voters, which is, oh, wow. Yeah. Explain, what's that theory? <laughs> Exactly right. And so I can make this very easily with the money that was spent on the outside. So like I said, Joe Biden did a decent job. He spent a bunch of money on Spanish language, but below that, nothing happened. But let's just look at the outside money game. There was a billion dollars spent by Democratic super PACs by October 15th, trying to help just Joe Biden. They all have a few things in common. There was 12 of them. They raised a billion dollars. They're all ran by white women or white men. Their total focus was on white persuadable voters. They started a year and a half in advance. They did TV. They did radio. They did mail. They did digital. They did field. Right. They did phones. They did texting. I'm not trying to be redundant. They did all of those things. But when it came to the Latino vote, we got 2% of that money and it was just supposed to go to people on the ground doing community organizing like you would do in the black community. They think that black, brown and Asian voters are just a canvassable 
turnout field operation, which is very important. Let me not diminish field, yeah. but we listen to TV, radio, digital, Pandora, Spotify, and listen right. to talk on cell phones, just like white people. Why do you sure. spend a year trying to persuade white persuadable voters and then just show up in the last 60 days to talk to Latinos and think that all you're going to do there is give money to groups on the ground to do canvassing, which again, super important, but it's even right. better when you add TV, radio, and mail to your field operations, yeah. a la Bernie Sanders. And why I wrote this book, T.O. Bernie, was to say to everybody, it wasn't magic sauce what we did with an old Jewish man from Vermont. We actually just spent a bunch of money and went and talked to a lot of brown people with a lot of brown consultants, and they actually liked his message. Ta-da! Yeah, if you're non-condescending and you offer people solutions to material needs, it feels like that. We'll do it. Right. I mean, that's what happened in Nevada. I heard a, a you know a ton of people talking about how like you know Latinos in Nevada were approached for the very first time by any campaign ever, and that they were like, "Wow, what, somebody actually seems to give a shit about what I think and what I would help me." You know, yeah. it's it's not uh, hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to that point, Chuck. Another thing you've said is you know so much of that relationship building isn't really about issues. And I think this is where a, a super fascinating point that since you told me this, since we spoke, I've repeated it multiple times because I think it's important for progressives to understand. We think if we walk in and are like Medicare for all, Green New mm -hmm. Deal, uh, universal pub, you know, uh, pre-K, uh, tuition-free college, uh, student debt relief, like all these things, which sound really great, that that's going to win you an election. But you don't agree necessarily with that. Tell no, me, tell me I, more about that. I don't agree because I run campaigns for a living and I have never been to college. So I don't show up with my Harvard textbook that says this policy because of this focus group and this poll or this research says that Latinos like this thing. Well, first of all, who are you asking? How are you asking? And what does that question even sound like in Spanish? And did you even have any bilingual operators? So after right. I've just take and just dismantled your research, I take it way back to the basic level of what Brandy just said about what I did in Nevada, which was show up, show up not 60 days before the election, but nine months before the election, put our headquarters in the heart of the Latino community, and then start spending lots of money to go introduce Bernie Sanders to an electorate, some of which knew him, but a lot of who which didn't. I'll remind everybody, Hillary Clinton won the Latino vote there by just a little bit in 16 right. when I was working for Bernie. So guess what we did? There are only 17,000 Latinos who had ever caucused. We went and talked to them. There were another 30,000 who had voted in primaries, but never caucus. Guess what? Nobody was going to talk to them. I'm going to talk to them. There were 80,000 Latinos that had voted in a general election, but never caucused. I was going to go talk to them and get this. There were 100,000 Latinos that had turned 18 and registered to vote since Donald Trump had been president. And I knew nobody was going to talk to them. So I put them in there too. And I spent two and a half million dollars. Sounds familiar. TV, radio, digital, newspapers. And we had 100 Latinos on staff. And they were there for over eight months. So it was a combination right. of all these things. But to your point, I didn't show up and start going Medicare for all. We're going to save your life. We started the very first commercial and people drive. This drives me crazy. They would have said, because healthcare is what the polling said. This is what this polling says. I said, no, 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 right. no, no. We need to introduce Bernie. Bernie's father showed up here from another country and couldn't speak English and didn't have any money. That's the first thing we're going to tell a Latino, because guess what? That's my grandfather's story. That's my Tia's story. That's my uncle. Somebody came right. here without shit and tried to make it and live the American dream, just like Bernie Sanders. So my first commercial said... I'm Bernie Sanders. I my father came here. He could speak English. I grew up in an immigrant household in the housing projects of New York yeah. City. I know what it's like to live the immigrant experience, and I won't forget that when I'm fighting for you in the White House. Mm. Now that don't work if that's the only ad you run. 
But sure. that works if you run that ad starting six months out and then come back and go, I'm Bernie. I just talked to you a week ago. Let me tell you about Medicare for all and how that'll change your life. People are right. like, I like this dude. His daddy came here and could speak English like my daddy. And he wants to give us health care like everybody else has. Shit, I like this guy. This is it's, the formula. It's hard. It's hard because I think a lot of us, I mean, me included, I'm like, well, uh, I hate personality, you know, because like centrists rely only on personality and only on identity and only on these things. And they I silo people. And, and if, you know, only if you have a good story, should you be a candidate? But I also think conversely, people on the left discount and discredit the personability and that's, and telling a story and, you know, um, Again, just meeting people where they're at rather than just ramming in with policy, 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 because um, I think most yeah. people are busy as hell, you know, working, grinding to be necessarily concerned. They need something that cuts through that. Um, go ahead. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, the politics are personal and like the Democrats are going to, you know, say all this stuff all the time. But if I don't understand why you believe that in your bones right. and Bernie, that was the beauty of, of his campaign. Cause you're like, I know that story is why you believe this stuff. You're not just saying it because of a poll. Like I know that that is right. what you believe. You've tapped into mm -hmm. something there, Brandy. A, he had been mm -hmm. saying it his entire career. So he's yes. very legit yeah. about it and we can go back and mm -hmm. show that. But the second thing is, and I think this is something nobody talks about is, and I was just open about not ever going to college. I've never went to college. I had a kid when I was 19 and took full custody of him. I, I've I've got a criminal record. Like I've lived a real American story, but think about your, think about your consultants who run all these campaigns. They all went to a really big school. They're normally really privileged white men or white women, nothing against white people. My mother's white. I love white people. I'm just talking about people who've lived a real life. I know what a payday lender is because I used one. I understood what it was to borrow a little bit of money to get me to the next payday. So when I think about politics, I'm viewing it through the lens of the people we're trying to reach. When I'm sitting in the room with all these fancy consultants, because now I'm at that fancy level, I'm like, y'all just don't understand. Don't get it. Like you, you, you're fancy reading a poll. You read a poll and you're supposed to do this message to this group of people. The turnout's got to be on the on the modeling between 20 and 80, persuasion this, liberal. And I'm like, you've just mathematically eliminated half of the universe that nobody's going to talk to now. And if we would just go have a conversation, it would be worth the value to get them to show up. And they don't mm -hmm. never want to hear that because mathematically, it's not how the system is supposed to work. Sure. Because, you know, polling's never wrong. I mean, we've <laughs> seen that. Right. Um, I, I want to, you know, this is all, I think I could talk about Bernie's campaign forever. So I'm not, I feel like we're, we're always thrust into the future and I am not done with analyzing the past. Um, but ergo, I, I am curious about, you know, all the lessons that you learned from the campaign and also maybe something that um, you're more critical of that maybe you haven't spoken that much about. Uh, what did the campaign do this time around that you feel like was a miss or could have done better? Goddamn, I'm going to need therapy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's start with just the basic campaign. Let's talk about something that's dramatically different from everything you saw in November, other than Bernie Sanders and who he is and the personality. Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders' staff was majority women and people of color. A. The majority of all the consultants working for Bernie were people of color. We didn't have a Latino department, a women's department, a black department. They were no, nobody was siloed off because I helped build this campaign from day one and I'd watched the mistakes being made. So fundamentally, fundamentally, everything about this campaign was different. We had a person of color, the first Muslim to run a presidential campaign. We went and yeah. found fast. We interviewed fast. Like we, we were doing this very, very intentionally to make yeah. a campaign look like America. Now, 
step back and look at all these races in November, there wasn't a single person of color running a single race in America for the U.S. Senate, for the governor or the top 30 congressional. Zero. There were zero people of color as senior consultants to any of these. Zero. So you're talking you about Biden? What are you talking about? That means every single Senate race in America, governor's race in America, or congressional. I'm talking about 75 races with all white consultants and all white leadership yeah. running wow. every one of these campaigns, right? Again, it doesn't make them bad. They're wonderful operatives and some of my literally best friends. But you want to ask me what the difference is? Let's just start with the campaign itself of what it looked like. Not that mm -hmm. we're experts in anything, but it looked like America, right? Sure. So you start with what we did. And the second part is, is to Brandy's point is that we have the perfect candidate because he stays on message. So mm -hmm. I knew because I was in the room with Jeff, with Faz, with Ariana every day making these decisions of what do we do and how do we spend this money better? People mm. want to concentrate on one or two legs of the stool and that that's the campaign. We're just going to do grassroots. Bernie's grassroots is so strong. And guess what? It is very strong and it's the best it's ever been. But just grassroots alone would have never got Bernie even close. We did great grassroots and combined it with $54 million of TV and another $18 million of mail, another $100 million of digital. So all those things built off of each other to take somebody who nobody would have dreamed, us, because we're smart, that Bernie Sanders could be president to say, we have something we can win. And we came within like 72 hours of being the nominee, which is the crazy thing that nobody really realizes. Like we almost won this whole thing because we had, I get so worked up about it because it's, Chuck, like Chuck, can I ask you, can you, can I ask you yeah. about that? Actually, I know I, I still want to ask you about the biggest criticism, but I'd want to ask you, did y'all see that coming the 72 hours of just centrist caving Obama makes phone calls that, and then bam, it's Biden. Like was, did you see that? <laughs> So we started putting this campaign together a year before we announced. So we started having secret meetings and putting together what ifs. Even if he decided not to run, we had to be ready to go. And I tell you that, not to brag that I was in the room with Bernie. I tell you that to knew that we knew then it was going to happen. But sister, what we didn't know is that it would happen that early. We knew that they'd have to consolidate to beat us. And if the field right. stayed more than four or five people, we had this thing locked down almost guaranteed win because of the way the electorate would break up. And because we were the only ones who could sustain long-term fundraising to keep yeah. doing multiple TV ads and super Tuesday and post super Tuesday States. Right. So we just could overpower them as they would say in the military with lots of different weaponry coming from lots of different angles. I work with a veterans group called vote vets, which is a very liberal left winging group. And they teach me this combat. So I'm like, Oh, it's like a campaign. That's what we were doing. We were overwhelming them. So we just didn't think it would happen super Tuesday. The thing that was really nobody saw coming is we knew this was going to happen in April, but we yeah. thought we would have too many delegates for them to catch up. And I remember sitting in an apartment a year before he announced us going through and almost like wargaming this thing out on mm -hmm. how long it would need to be before they consolidated. And to your point, we knew coming out of Nevada, we were in the catbird seat and we, were, we had this thing locked down because what y'all don't know and that I know is that I had polling in every single Super Tuesday state that had us winning every mm. single race. And we had a good pollster. And I can't. The, oh, talk about PTSD. <laughs> now, it wasn't because we had the best campaign. We had run a good campaign. But Michael Bloomberg was taking 15 to 18% of yeah. Biden's uh, butt in these southern states like Georgia and yeah. Florida and other places to where you had – you had uh, Bloomberg at 17, you had Biden at 19 or 20, and we were between 22 and 25%. Remember what I said about a year out, 25% every state, 
lock down that solid Bernie support. That's the formula you use to win the whole thing. So we knew we just, they had just done it earlier and they really caught us on our heels because when they consolidated, good God, you saw everything you did. Yeah. And then you have Joe Biden winning states where you don't even have a staffer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, I see something new every time I run a campaign and this was the craziest thing I had ever seen. Right. And I had put my yeah. heart and soul into this. I was giving unbelievable responsibility. I was given the job of a lifetime. I'd been building out this firm and I'd really just kind of, and, and it was Jeff and, and Bernie who trusted me. So there was this unbelievable amount of pressure on me, right? Yeah, because oh I'm in South Carolina, I'm in Nevada and I'm, and I'm putting this together while you have a whole separate campaign with Faz and Ari and all them that are just traveling in the bubble with him. That's a whole separate sure. campaign that's just built around policy and press. Picking out all the green M and M's. I I know how he travels. Absolutely. Yeah, all the yeah. stuff that he's, he's got to get. Chuck, 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 I'm going to need a moment, Chuck. I don't have to deal with that, Chuck. I just need a moment because I want to talk to him all the time. And he, when he gets ready to go on the stage, he likes to have a moment. He likes to. He he works with a pad. Oh sure. Just like this. Yeah. And well, he he's just got a shadow box. Right, and he's just going to talk through it and think about it. And, and God bless Ari. God bless Faz and those folks who dealt with that every day because I was there was enough pressure on me doing that part. But sure. being on the road and doing that other part with the rallies and all of the press and the, that's just a whole nother level of stress of having the that's the other combat is dealing with well, what's wrong with the campaign and what are you going to do now? And what's the yeah. la 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 la. And I'd have, yeah. that's why they didn't have me on the road, because I would have told them I ought to go fuck off. I mean, I don't want to press you too hard on this, but one of the things, you know, I think we all witnessed was the ways that look, I successfully this is my claim to fame of 2020, you know, got an interview with him on Medicare for all on MSNBC, you know, in December. And then once again, in I think March or something like this, um, I felt good about that. But he was boxed out once again of a lot of media. As soon as the primary happened, as soon as he threw his weight behind Biden, major media outlets felt safe to have him on. They had him on. They talked about him. Oh, now he's a savior. Now we, now MSNBC and CNN, they love Bernie. I'll have him on all the time. Yeah. But, you know, beyond, I guess I'm, I'm asking like, you know, what any criticisms you have of the way you ran the campaign, because I feel like even, you know, Bernie never changes message. It was never. And that's why I personally love him. But I'm also like, damn, he's like, I'm going after the pharmaceutical industry. I'm going after the fossil fuel industry. I'm going after the military industrial complex. Boom, boom, boom. Like there was never a tempering of that. And that made him a movement and makes him a movement leader, but also very, very um, unlikable from some of the people he had to woo, right? The, but the greatest things about that man is the things that is his worst enemy too. Like he is the best at what he does and he believes it. But it also is like you have to build the campaign around that because he is not going to change. And there right. were lots of debates, let's just say when Bernie wasn't in the room, uh, about this particular thing a lot. Like how yeah. do we how do we pivot? How do we get better action with these African-Americans that were up for grabs in the South when uh, lots of other things that were going on and we were doing better with them at that point? Like there are lots of, of, of debates that happen, but at the end of the day, Bernie was going to be burning in, in God love him or don't like him. Like I love him because he was just that part of it, but you were not as much as some of us knew that there had to be a pivot to figure out other parts of the campaign. He just never was going to do that. It just, he was going to be who he was to the end. And we almost, almost one even with that i mean i wish we had more organizers in politics but unfortunately to be a politician in like the way that like the mainstream media wants you to be 
you can't be as honest as I think people we're just so many Americans are so comfortable that they just don't want to hear the real shit of <laughs> like, no, yeah. this, these are the problems. And I'm sorry if it hurts, but that's what's hurting the people that are hurting the most. It hurts the campaigns to be honest with you. I mean, there's not yeah. a lot of organizer organizers that are involved in mainstream campaigns anymore either. It's just a TV driven industry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I also think that Bernie's story is so unique in the ways that he came up as an independent, which, of course, moderate Dems hit all the time and criticized him over it. But in fact, it endeared him to more people, the fact that he was able to rise. I mean, and it's it's a it's a win and sort of a, a pitch for being an independent or third party on a local level, which I absolutely believe in. I think that when it comes to federal the system's too effed to even actually float a candidacy that connect that has legs. But rising through the ranks as an independent is absolutely something Bernie showed that you can do and um, and get folks from people from both sides, but not at both sides like, oh, racist and non-racist. So <laughs> I mean, like people who are a little bit sick of, you know, uh, the entire two party system to begin with. Um, Chuck, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, I just want to just like ask you, how do you think any of this would have played out if Bernie had won? Like if he had won the nomination, if he had, I mean, the, um, the amount that Trump tried, tries to call Biden a socialist, the bad faith with which the right wing operates, it's like, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, imagine if Bernie was about to assume office. First of all, oh, my God, it would be amazing. And second of all, like the vitriol from the other side who think that somehow Biden is a socialist. Come on. I think I don't think I know this, that if Bernie Sanders would have won the nominee, I've just been doing this too long. And let's be clear in the general election, this last election, I had 100 clients. It sounds like I'm bragging. I'm talking about I worked on 100 races, so I kind of know what, what went on at the grassroots level in lots of states. Bernie Sanders would have won the exact amount of states that Joe Biden won. Like We're never going to win Florida. Joe Biden didn't win Florida either, though. Guess what? Right. We would have won Arizona and Nevada because we've just been talking about how much brown people love them some Bernie Sanders. He would have won by more votes there. He'd had better Latino participation there. And Biden still did great, won over 70% of the vote with Latinos in those two states. And yeah. guess what? You know this. We would have done even better in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania with those white, uh, blue-collar, Steel workers and auto workers love them some Bernie Sanders. The biggest difference in this election and the one I ran in 16 for Bernie mm -hmm. is that that white men kind of like Joe Biden, right? They, they, they hated Hillary Clinton, but they kind of liked him, right? But they, they like him. They love Bernie. Right. So yeah. we were fighting over white men. People don't they think we were fighting with Elizabeth Warren for liberals. We never were. We had those locked down. She had more of the upper class of those folks. But we were fighting over white working class men in Iowa and in other places with Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, all these others. No, 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 no. They had their own little bit of something. But we were having we would have had big numbers. So those were the same voters we would have needed in the general. Right. So yeah. that's the biggest difference of why we would have won this. And yeah. we'd have been doing this. I would have been doing this interview from a nicer office if we had been the nominee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, and I don't, I just, okay. Last thing, but I just, I want to say it's, it's this cruel and bizarre twist where, you know, the, for, for example, the African-American vote where I think Bernie did struggle, although he made gains from the last time that that matters so much in the primary and rightfully so I think it should matter but then when it comes to, you know, the general, 
so many states, like the Democratic Party just doesn't even really focus on the South very much. They go right back to the, you know, Beltway or Rust Belt or whatever, um, you know, middle America trying to get the like swing white voter. So it's this bizarre bait and switch of like, yay, we need African-American voters when we need them, but then we don't really need them, even though they're so reliably Democratic voters, we don't really need them in the general. We're just focused on these white voters, you know? Um, but my question is like, did did Bernie ever, this is last question, I'll let you go, Chuck, but last question, did Bernie ever be like, maybe I should call Jim Clyburn and put the squeeze on him and just be like, Jim, just don't endorse anybody. Just, just don't, you don't have to endorse me, but don't endorse, you know, like, and I, I think I, I found, I actually heard Bernie say that he never contacted Clyburn. Right. Clyburn, who, by the way, is throwing the entire BLM movement under the bus. You know, Clyburn yeah. is not by any means a, a saint, but he wields so much power, right? That was that never, he didn't, he didn't consider like, you know, reaching out. He's not, and, he's not. Good at and, doing. And, <laughs> you're answering oh, yeah. my question. Like, yeah, okay. it ain't no disrespect to Mr. Clyburn. He ain't call nobody. Like, that ain't what Bernie yeah. does. He don't call yeah. people. He's just not going to be not Bernie. The thing that really pisses me off about South Carolina is folks would say, Chuck, to win the black vote in South Carolina, you need to hire you some black staff. Well, guess what? We had a hundred staff in South Carolina, 84% of them black. Well, Chuck, you need to have black staff from South Carolina. Well, guess what, Hall? 79% of our staff were black and from South Carolina, and our operation was led by a black woman, and they were on the ground four months earlier than any other campaign. So mm -hmm. don't talk to me about organizing black people or brown people. We did what we were supposed to do, but guess what? Sometimes it just don't work, right? And guess what happens in South Carolina? In South Carolina, there's a group of people who don't like Bernie Sanders at all. And guess who they are? They're anybody who's over 65 years old, no matter what the color of your skin is. And guess what African-American primary voters average age is in South Carolina? Mm -hmm. They're an older demographic. God bless right. them. They are the backbone of the party, but they were never going to vote for Bernie Sanders, not because they were black or he was old. It's just because they're older voters. And none of those older voters at any point in any of our polling ever thought Bernie Sanders could win in a general election. We just never right. could get them there ever. Yeah. Well, thank God uh, Joe Biden won South Carolina in the general. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, ah. uh, Chuck Rocha, always a pleasure. You're such a, a burst of light energy. I don't know how to say that in a non-Angelino uh, weird crystal way, but um, I always appreciate you. Namaste. Um, follow Chuck. And, and, and what do you have to plug, Chuck? I hear you have something exciting coming up. Speaking of South Carolina, speaking of coalitions, uh, Monday morning, I'm going to roll out the nations. If you saw me gripping about there's no place for black or brown people in these campaigns, I'm going to make some space. Chuck Roach is tired of bitching about it. I'm going to give them a solution. I'm starting tomorrow, the nation's first black woman and brown man owned national media firm. 90% of every dollar in politics is spent on TV commercials that are owned by companies that are owned by white men predominantly mm -hmm. and some white women. So now there will be a black woman and a brown man. She also worked for Bernie Sanders. I heard her. She did a bunch of work as an advisor for us. And she's amazing. A woman from the South. Her name is Kara Turrington. Black Brown Partners will be announced tomorrow. And I am super excited. You think I'm excited right now. Tomorrow, <laughs> I will be somewhat greatly excited in a non-crystal way. So thank y'all for letting me plug that. Oh my gosh, Chuck. So excited for everything you've got in store. Thank you for doing this work. Um, it sounds, yeah, I don't know. And everyone follow Chuck. And and hopefully when he says jump, you ask how, how high. Uh, 
All right, take take good care. And uh, Brandy, stay right there. We're gonna we have one more segment. Okay, great. Don't you leave. And <laughs> hi everybody in the chat. Thank you still for being here. I'm just gonna read a couple super chats. Uh, Burfscape one on YouTube says, "I listened to the full Georgia call today. Painful. Our generation will remember it like the Nixon tapes." Ugh. <laughs> he, is he as anti-Semitic? Like, there's only one good thing, which he might not be as anti-Semitic as he was, as Nixon I was. I feel like Donald Trump's presidential library is going to have like sound effects. You know what I mean? Like, that's how stupid <laughs> this shit is. It just feels that there's going to be just like a a yak back with a bunch of farts on it. That like that. <laughs> that's how you listen to all of his stuff <laughs> in the future. <laughs> like, a, yeah, yeah. There's like a little whistle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just lots of bazingas or whatever. <laughs> um, there is a sad news item or an annoying news item, given the fact that this has been the deadliest month of COVID, that the vaccine rollout has been uh, bad, um, that like senior citizens are lining up like these are Coachella tickets trying to get vaccines in Florida because there's no way to administer them. Um, and there's also a lot of mistrust about the vaccine. And in fact, apparently, what it, what is it? I have my notes here. Um, four four in ten. 10 Americans. Yeah, four out of 10 Americans say they will not get the coronavirus vaccine. Half of them say, okay, maybe after a little bit of time, um, but 21% of 21% of adults say they do not plan to get vaccinated um, and they don't think more information will change their mind. Um, what if it makes you superhuman, bro? Yeah, exactly. I think we just need to get out the information that if you get COVID, uh, your dick don't work. Uh, I think we really need to be like, cause that, that is true, but like it, true. I, it hasn't been like really pushed out there the way that, that's what I think we need. We need on Fox News and all the cable channels. We need to do one of those like um, uh, Viagra commercials, but like for the vaccine. Just like, look, maybe we put those two together. That might be yeah. the answer. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this I'm going to just restart this segment and just say this is our vaccine campaign. So, Brandy, you think there has to be some sort of uh, erection forward um, yeah. pitch to the American people. Well, because we've seen, if anything, in the last year, American people don't care about anybody else but themselves. And um, one of the things that we, you know, can all do for ourselves and we actually care about is like having sex. And I feel like the men out there, they're boners, they're ruled by them. We know what happens. We know where <laughs> serial killers come from dicks that don't work. Uh, so I feel like if we don't vaccinate a bunch of people, COVID's a problem, but we're also going to have a bunch of weird, uh, oh, limp God. serial killers running around. Uh, oh, so what we need to do, I think, is tie uh, Viagra to the vaccine. Um, if that's what they need, I don't know. But we really need to get the commercials out there after Fox News and whatnot, just letting them know, hey, uh, if you get COVID, which you probably will, because at least in California, it's what, one in 20 people right now? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, the, the lasting effects i mean it's real uh, big yeah. pharma wins no matter what right they're going to be pushing all their the cialis the blue pill whatever else exactly. is that the same thing yeah that stuff's not going away so let's just like tie it to this in a different way you know what i mean mm -hmm. i feel like that let's, let's just really lean into it in that way and then it's I also like great. yeah ladies um 
I don't know, let's tell ladies or t- if, if let's just make this up because you know, whatever, if you get COVID and you didn't get vaccinated, your tits are going to rot and fall off. So mm. uh, you should also get it ladies. Um, yeah. I just feel like yeah, we need to be, how would that, yeah, that be, that would suck. I would, I'd be okay if like, it was like one day the next, the tits weren't there, but if it was like a slow rotting process, Whoa. that'd be terrible. You know, like the uh, avocado that you forget about that but like two of them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also if you do are a woman and you like dick then you are also invested in uh them working properly in the future and you know avoiding the awkward like it's okay yeah okay whatever use your mouth it's fine no it's like it's fine but it's fine (laughs) it is all you can use your mouth um (laughs) my strategy is and I know this is not necessarily the folks who are most distrustful of the vaccine, but I think if we added it to Botox and filler, yes, we're just taking care of it right there. You don't say that it's in there. Oh yeah, well, there's but, a know. lot of anti-vax moms that get a ton of that stuff. So I think you're you're definitely correct. That's um, exactly by- that's the demographic I'm going for. Is like at least the mm-hmm. anti-vax moms, the Jenny McCarthy's will be hatsa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, without their knowledge. And then they, they can't get mad because, you know, they yeah. apparently look better. Yeah. Could we add kale to the vaccine? Just like mm-hmm. a little, could just make it a little green? And then I yeah. think they'd be really into it. If it were a $17 juice. Yes. They would drink it. Exactly. Exactly. We need to like put Gwyneth on the government payroll. And next year's goop end of list is a gold vaccine. It comes in a little <laughs> needle and you can do it yourself. And it smells like when it's vagina. Um, and you just inject her vagina into your passion heart. fruit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm, inject Gwen's passion fruit vagina into my heart. I, I'd do that. I also think, I think we should just pay people. Like, is it yeah. that crazy to be like, Hey, get the vaccine, get 50 bucks. Here's 50 bucks. Like one, we can totally afford that, I think. Sure. Um, maybe even 20. But also, like, why not? It's yeah. the, I mean, look, gun buyback programs, like, we're, that's the, works the same way. Get money, turn mm-hmm. in your gun. Um, now, I, I'm not saying, first of all, gun buyback programs in this country, I think, are a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, sadly. But I think in a, you know, a vaccine, it's like, why not? There should be an incentive, a monetary incentive. Yang gang. Mm-hmm graffiti your worst tag it up baby <laughs> 20 bucks for the vaccine let's get another pig's head out there exactly how about if we get uh the major we need we need like one of those uh like a counter and if like the mass if like 90 percent of americans get the vaccine then we put mitch mcconnell's head on nancy pelosi's garage how about that <laughs> and i think we could all get behind that because enough people hate him <laughs> we have talked about mitch mcconnell's head on a tortoise like uh in breaking bad yeah um, and it is probably the reason i'll never get a real job in media because parody parody it's all parody it's, oh it's a joke yeah no no i don't fantasize about that no. ever um zane magic puffer dragon says vaccine with fries even f- I would do it for fries. Oh yeah, you give me a little little uh, McDonald's fry with my vaccines. Get mm-hmm. just put it honestly. Make the vaccines available at McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> at fast food places. Just like put them there. Whatever. Super size the meal. Meal. <laughs> Yeah, 
Exactly. <laughs> so, and you could do a drive-by, like drive-by, stick your yeah. arm out, and then get your fries and go home. Um, exactly. Brandy Posey, thank you so much for being on The Bituation Room. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle, B-R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-L-E, right there. Um, and then I have a podcast called Lady to Lady that you've been a guest on. It's awesome. Uh, every oh, Wednesday, uh, it's me, Barbara Gray, and Tess Barker. And then we have a fourth guest who's generally a really badass woman on. And it's just like four women just like riffing for their lives for an hour, having a great time. And I had um, such a good time on that show. Definitely listen. Yeah, it was a blast having you on. It was awesome. And um, yeah, and then uh, uh, just... Uh, you know, uh, Opinion Cave is my album. Um, listen to that. If you listen to it on Spotify, put it on mute for 40 more times and then maybe I'll make a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, Brandy. Everyone go do that. Thank you so much for being here. Have a good week. Um, come back real soon and stay safe. And <laughs> yay. And for all y'all out there, thank you for being here. Hey, remember, you can now be a patron of this show and support this kind of content. Support... Chuck Rocha's incredible rants and uh, Brandy's hot takes and, um, you know, all the good people that we have on. And, uh, yeah, be part of the pack, dude. Join it. What are you waiting for? Any amount is a good amount. All right, you guys, you've been so great. Remember, fight the patriarchy. Uh, or what did I say? What's the new thing? It's definitely fight the patriarchy. Fight the power. Don't just bitch about it. Be about it. and. Uh, Remember, um, don't be a corny villain if you gotta be a villain. Oh, God. Oh, just imagine if his dad had hugged him as a child. Things could be so different. Donnie. All right. Bye, y'all. Have a good week. We'll see you next time.